Preacher 23, welcome to episode 18 of Geekhead Radio, and that right there is our new opening, written by last episode's host, guest host, guest host, whatever the fuck they are, guest, Jesse Harlan. So, now you don't have to listen to the faint, and we don't need to wor- worry about their lawyers coming after us and looking for royalty money, so. Yay! Hey, who do we got here? You've got Perrin. Hey guys, how's it going from deep in the heart of Texas? And this is Courtney. Hiya. And uh, this is Geekhead Radio, your one-stop podcast for all the half-assed news about the geek world. And uh, today, we have Joe the Peacock. Joe Peacock on with us. Hello, Joe. Hi. Joe, um, for the people who don't know who the hell you are, and and you should, because we've mentioned you a couple of times uh, on this podcast in the past, um... Yeah, who the fuck are you? Um, it depends on who you ask. I guess <laughs> if you were asking my ex, um, I'm a colossal pain in the ass. Um, but yeah, I am a um, journalist, writer, geek, anime nerd, studio executive weirdo guy uh, who has a uh, hatred for fake geek girls, and I'm expecting <laughs> to get raked across. <laughs> So, so yeah, um, I just thought... What, no warm-up? Shouldn't we stretch? (laughs) (laughs) Man, I came to play. I got my pink boxing gloves on. I'm ready to go. Let's do this thing. Fabulous. (laughs) We should probably, at this point, since uh, it sounds like three out of the four people here are currently drinking and approaching intoxication. So, um, uh, you know, sounds are up. Spent 15 years getting loaded. Now it's Bob gonna do now that he can't drink. Alright. What, what you drinking, Clayton? I am uh, deep into my third shot of TX brand whiskey from Fort Worth, Texas. This stuff is awesome. If you can find it, you should consume it. Awesome. <gasps> wow. Does, does one only find it in Texas? I don't know. Um, considering I haven't been out of Texas since I discovered it. Um, see, that's what you need to do. You need to travel out and see if they've got this fucking whiskey there. Absolutely. <sighs> oh, that's I true. will. I figure. I figure. You figure. As long as you've got. As long as you've got some more. Who cares where you can get it? As long as it's in your house. Yes. There true. you go. All right. And um, I'm back to the homebrew. I've got the um, the honey colch that has finally come to fruition and oh boy howdy it's tasty <laughs> so i'm enjoying that it's nice wheat with uh slight honey oh, undertones but you know that just converted mostly to alcohol thanks to the yeast so i'm not complaining hey designated <laughs> driver 
Ah, yes. As the as the geekhead designated driver, this evening I am drinking Alea's herbal water in lavender mint. It is yummy. I don't believe yummy. you. You don't believe me. <laughs> that sounds yeah. fucking horrific. That's. I mean, lavender mint water. Yeah, doesn't it does sound? You know, it's. I drink a lot of things that sound like they'd be gross, but really, it's very good. Um, and I actually, you know, I do a very occasionally drink. Lavender is excellent in drinks. I had a uh, lavender martini last weekend that was fabulous. So wow. it's actually good. It's you know, lavender is what you paint a twelve-year-old girl's room. It's not what you drink. Um, it's well, you well, some can people cook know with it. It's great thing. in cookies, on chicken, um, yeah, and in various drinks. Lavender lemonade is excellent. Highly Lavender chicken. Yeah, you can make it. Make a I, sauce. Yeah, I okay. have to agree with uh, with with Courtney on this. Uh, uh, lavender, rosemary, stuffed inside chicken, mm-hmm. thrown on the grill. Awesome. Yep. So let me tell you just a quick story. This is this is um, apropos of nothing. My good friend <laughs> Stacia is a big health nut, and I'm visiting um, Stacia and my friends Melissa and Jeff in Charlotte, North Carolina. And just to answer your question, I'm drinking Highland Brewing Company, their Gaelic Ale, which is straight Ooh. out of North Carolina. It's delicious stuff. Um, so they make these shakes in the morning. And what they do is they basically go out and pick yard grass and they mix this stuff <laughs> with cayenne pepper and I don't know what else, but it tastes like health and I want to puke every day. <laughs> this is my breakfast. I go from Captain Crunch, you know, or Cinnamon Toast Crunch if I'm feeling wily, um, in the morning at my house to this place where I'm eating cayenne pepper and clover and it's yeah. like... Are they you, really gotta build, the... you really got to build up to that. I don't recommend just jumping into it. It's a real shock to the system. <laughs> I have a choice. Is that or don't eat? And, I mean, it's, it's one of those situations where I hear lavender chicken, and I just want to shoot myself in the dick. Like, why am I going to do this to myself? Like, I could have fried chicken. I could have ranch fried chicken or I could have lavender chicken. It's like some kid melted a crayon on a light bulb over my chicken. Why am I doing this? Because it is damn tasty. Oh, my, I... la- my lavender sugar cookies get very high marks. Wow. Okay, yeah. awesome. I'm just going to have to try that. You're going to have to sell me on this, Courtney. I'm with Joe on this. <laughs> oh, it's it's actually really good. As I said, the, well, if since you're into the alcohol thing, you might want to start with a lavender martini. Seriously, this was the tastiest drink I've ever had. It was really good. Lots of little lavender bits floating in it that kind of looked like bugs, unfortunately. But if once you get over that... (laughs) This is my problem. You've already established you like lavender. Yeah, well... So your word is suspect. I have suspicions. (laughs) I don't know where to go from here. I mean, I've had my one night of reprieve. I'm eating tater tots, a Reuben, and beer because I had to go away from these people and their health kick and go get food. So, like, I'm not quite sure where to go with your lavender kick, um, Courtney. And I know that this isn't a great start because you've already got this, like, ready-made argument to just beat <laughs> that. And I'm ready to go. I'm ready I, to go. I'm I accept ready to the fact okay. that uh, some people think that I subsist on rocks, dirt, and sticks. And that is fine. That is their right. They overlook the all-important weeds, which lavender would fall under. So, yeah, no, I accept <laughs> Um, I have never actually had that, but I hear that uh, I hear that it's quite tasty. Uh, when You're it's listening to the wrong people, Courtney. 
You know, if Bradbury wine. if Bradbury wrote a story about making wine with it, it's got to be it's it's okay in my book. I hate dandelion. Bradbury wrote a story <laughs> about burning books at 451 degrees Fahrenheit. Is that awesome? Reading about it sure is. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do that. All right. Not actually burning them. Touche, touche. All, All right. right, so we can stay on track okay. real quick here. Hey, uh, Clayton, how can they contact yes, us? So. If you are first-time listeners, there are a variety of ways that you can uh, get in touch with us. You can, of course, run out to geekheadradio.com where we uh, post the podcast and uh, uh, let you know what's coming up in the, the Geekhead world. Or you can follow us on Facebook, Geekhead Radio. Or, of course, if you just want to listen to us and don't want to interact with us in any other way, you can just go to over to iTunes and look up Geekhead Radio and download us there. Or if you want to yell or rant or compliment us directly, you can hit us up at our emails, and we have geekheadradio at gmail.com if you just want to send us a generic message. Or if you want to send each of us a private message, uh, we have our, our at geekheadradio.com emails. You can send one to Aaron, Clayton, or Courtney, and you can speak to us directly, and we'd love to hear from you. What about the OKCupid okay profiles? Oh, oh shh. Oh damn! We will, we will sell Clayton's uh, for to the highest bidder. Um, so please feel free to send us. Uh, feel please feel free to send us your bids. <laughs> we'll have to explain this to Tisha. You'll have to outbid me. <laughs> oh, blame me. <laughs> well, that is how you get Geekhead from Geekhead Radio. So, um, but I'm Ching. Damn. <laughs> and then and then and then we got like Twitter and shit. Oh yes. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have uh, Geekhead Aaron, Geekhead Clayton, and Geekhead Court. It's it's Geekhead and, uh, Court. Not for the most part, it's uh, uh, just me sending out lots and lots of cool, interesting stories and uh, very occasionally uh, ranting. But I, I, I leave that to the expert. Aaron's the, the expert in that. I, I You know, it, it depends on my mood and, you know, how many people have canceled appointments with me at work and then I'm really on Twitter outside of that. It, I, I kind of have a tendency to forget that I'm on there until, you know, Twitter I will have, ceremony. you know, I am logged on right now. What? Ooh, I know it's shocking. I dare you to tweet something. Come on, promote the show, do something. Hey, all right, whatever. Hey, let's, <laughs> let's, let's take care of this news first. Okay. You know? Well, we're going to keep, uh, things, uh, uh, very lean tonight because we really uh, want an opportunity to uh, to talk to to Joe and all of the things that he does because he does some really cool shit as opposed to pissing off geek girls. Um, so we need to cover everything, just only, not that. Only the ones who had their panties in a bunch. I am going to take flack for this. Uh-huh. <laughs> But uh, no, for uh, we're, we've just got one skewed news uh, uh, segment for this week, uh, oh. and it is well. Everybody wanted to know what happened when Lucas Arts was shut down, and well, now we know. Um, Walt Disney has given the whole kit and caboodle to EA. Well, not specifically EA, um, though what everybody sees on? EA and panics. Because <laughs> uh, they they think they're going to get uh, uh, Boba Fett uh, 2013 and 2014. And all they really did change between 2013 and 2014 is the the the, the color on his uh, on his breastplate. Um, but Whatever, if I'm shooting shit, I don't care. Well, no, you forgot about Bounty Hunter Vision. 
<laughs> using the control stick to, to, to use the cone of vision to shoot aimlessly at people you won't actually ever capture. <laughs> that too. I like that. <laughs> we should, we should, we should uh, forward that off to them. Uh, uh, Post haste. Well, we had but, our in, but they fired. Oh, don't worry. In. They're listening and they're already using it, and they won't give you any credit. <laughs> Wouldn't shock me. As is normal with anything that involves EA. See, uh, and I hear EA, and I'm thinking, who knows if you're actually going to get to the game through the launcher or the patcher? Whether you're ever going to actually get that far? They have a tendency yeah, always to always on connection to to be a bounty hunter and use bounty hunter vision, a cone of vision that you will never use. You know what? I'm not going to play any game they do unless I'm going to see through that little T slit that's on the helmet, and and that's all. Did I can you see. say slit? Did you? This is a family program. You disgusting son of a bitch! <laughs> Since when? <laughs> I will refer. My back family's to some listening. Of They're proud of me. <laughs> so, little Joey's made it big. He's on the podcast. <laughs> and did Georgia represent? Now the only the, the big bonus though is that BioWare once again will continue to have their hands on it. Now, you know, some people will argue is BioWare really what they were before, but I don't fucking care. I'm going to play it. Just give me something that's better than Pod Racing or Super Bomb Bad Racing or whatever the shit was back then. You so. like Pod Racing? I I thought the Pod Racing game was kind of fun for what it was. For it was, was a lot of fun for what it was. It was yeah. crap. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Absolutely. The early days when we didn't give a shit. When we got a game, we shut up and we played it. <laughs> that shit was 64-bit, man. Woohoo! And N64 was the way to go. I was I, I was a curmudgeon even then, and I'm like, I'll play my PlayStation. <laughs> hey, I love I have a PlayStation story. We'll get to that if you want to later, but go ahead. Well, I let's... got my first PlayStation through a uh, a very sophisticated larceny ring. <laughs> Which led to career as a designer, and I'm not kidding. Oh. <laughs> well, that's good. That means that uh, all the games that uh, Dice and Visceral put out will be fine tuned just for just for you. Awesome. Uh, no, because I stole them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not their target audience. Their target audience spends money. I actually I, I, I heisted Toys R Us and used Jeffrey dollars to get my first PlayStation and a career. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're gonna have to go into that. Um, so, how do you get a career using Jeffrey Colors? I, Would you like to know? I will tell you. Wait, 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 wait. There's time and a place for this. Yes, it is yeah, not yeah. in skewed okay. news. It is in meat. You it know what? Meat. While you guys do skewed news, I'm gonna go pee. You'll finish your skewed news, and then we'll lead <laughs> off with how I stole a PlayStation and got a career in awesome. design. Okay, and then I'll get my ass kicked over Geek Girls. So you go okay. ahead. I'll be right back. <laughs> All right, let's let's, let's okay. Let's let's do the whole set. Shall we uh, slide over? Because we, we we don't Meanwhile, know. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Doom, spent fifty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me talking over everything. You should have just told me to shut the hell up. I I thought uh... you would figure it out. <laughs> I did right, but right before the Hall of Justice bit. <laughs> I hope my future brother-in-law, the who uh, who works for who works for public radio, is not listening to this t- right now. No, <laughs> no. See, we've see, got it together. <laughs> if 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 we were halfway competent, I would have a producer, and I wouldn't be trying to do both of these things at the same time. And I'll we should get one of those. Me off. Yeah, well, yeah. well, we'll put that in the budget for next year. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
we should do a telethon. Hey, um, let's, you know, kind of, like, talk about some of the interesting, like, little bits of media that have come out. So, uh, I, I actually want to skip the first story and go to the second story, because uh, I think, uh, I know we have a lot of listeners that want to hear about, uh, at least, opinions of this first, and that's the Doctor Who season finale. Ooh, did either of you get a chance to see it? I no. am still a slacker. Yeah, I know. I've got, it, I've, got, I've got it recorded. I have not watched it yet. Okay. I have to be oh so cautious because talking too much even about the episode in and of itself is is probably going to cause much nerd rage since it aired yesterday. And uh, as Clayton had said, DVRs are, you know, haven't been played yet. So um, I will just say this much. Um the doctor, the place where he goes, is um, the one place that no time tra- traveler should ever go, and that is the location Walmart? of their own grave. <laughs> which it may Sorry. Be <laughs> and and for all the confusion, because some of the episodes that were of the second half of the season have been pretty weak, um, I think they've got things uh, set up really well for the next season. God only knows when that's going to occur, but we do have the, I believe, two-hour... Um, to our 50th anniversary that uh, will kind of bridge that gap. And I have no idea what they're going to do, but I'll say this much. Who they introduced to be... Well, they're playing with you, I'm sure. But who's the next Doctor? <laughs> who, is, who, who is the next Doctor? Um, okay, spoiler alert here. Um, if you're listening to this, please cover your ears and if you give a shit... Um, what would be the point of listening? Exactly. Uh, John Hurt. Ooh. Who? John Hurt from Alien. Oh, that guy. Yeah, I remember awesome. him. Oh, I don't know who that is. He's, he's, um, but he's I will tell you that the there's under hand soap in the guest bathroom in the house I'm staying in. <laughs> <laughs> I hey, just little... discovered that by using it, and now I want to fall asleep. <laughs> little, little tip, don't eat the soap. Mm-mm. I'm licking my hands. It tastes like my hands. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's different when it's in a drink. <laughs> I'm or chicken. Drink and see what happens. Okay. <laughs> so they're going to go for save, a really save. old and wrinkly doctor? I I think that they they have set things up in such a way that you may see this be the next big uh Doctor Who villain um along the same lines of the master or whatever. So now, it's now what is Doctor Who? It's 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 British weird sci-fi that that is incomprehensible unless you just dive in and try and watch it. It's not a show that you can be, have described to you and go, oh, "I've got to hey, watch this." It's I, I'm not going to watch this. Hi, I'm trolling. <laughs> yep, you never know. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, please. <laughs> I was trying not to raise to the to, you know rise to the bait there, so. Yeah, well, I just set the tone for the show. Feel free to just rise to the bait all you want. <laughs> There's other baiting we'll that just can roll. be done later. We'll just roll with it. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so, so anyway. Doctor so, Who, the, the, season finale, ended. Next one, I believe, March 23rd. Um, I will correct that as needed, and uh, that will be the big reveal with all the extra Doctors. So far, they've only confirmed David Tennant. Um, but, you know, we'll see. But John Hurt has now been seen. They've now officially released pictures of him on set. So there you go. 
So when did you say that was on? Yes. The next one? Did you say oh, March? November. Sorry. November. Okay. Did I say March? So you said March. You said but, March. Okay. So that's a good – that's still a good six <laughs> months for me to get over my total slackitude. Maybe I'll have some, quote, spare time in there that I can catch up and then we can have an intelligent conversation on this. <gasps> you no can learn thing. how to belly dance to the opening song. I – maybe. Maybe. I'm actually surprised my sister hasn't suggested that to me yet. So You'd have to yeah. record it and post it on the on the Facebook page, but – yeah. Okay. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. You just ruined any chance of that happening. <laughs> hey, what's what was this about Amazing Spider-Man Two? Uh, so we know uh, that there are at least two villains in Amazing Spider-Man Two. The main one being Electro, who is going to be played by Jamie Fox. Who, if you have uh, watched the feeds, uh, you know he is. The bluest black man you have ever damn seen, like fluorescent <laughs> uh, blue, like like worse than Arnold Schwarzenegger is Mister Freeze in. Like, don't ask Cully Hamner what he thinks about that blue. <laughs> He's not exactly thrilled with the whole concept. <laughs> and and I'm still trying to get my head around this whole Paul Giamatti is the rhino. I mean. <laughs> I, I swear that one snuck up and like donkey punched me in the back of the head. <laughs> I, I'm gonna. It's gonna be very interesting to see. I think they're gonna. I don't know if we're gonna see Rhino as Rhino. I think we're going to see him in his human incarnation <laughs> before transformation. But who the hell knows? <laughs> What's that, Joe? I I was distracted. I'm so sorry. You're fine. <laughs> Still licking your hands? Um, at this point, I'm just sitting on them. Um, <laughs> it's okay. So, Rocco's going to be a wine aficionado, apparently. He's going to tour in wine country with um, Christian Haydenson, the Sandman, of course. Yes. And they're going to oh, go I- around. They're going to basically drink a lot of, um, you know, various types of wine, is what I understand Amazing Spider-Man 2 is going to be about. I like this concept. <laughs> I approve this concept. Thank you, Joe. Uh, this can go nowhere well. <laughs> yeah, sure I can. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Star Trek. So uh, the, the the last thing, the last giant rhino in the room uh, before we get to Joe is uh, a question: Who's seen Star Trek? I have not, but one of my glorious friends on Facebook made the mistake of assuming that of informing the world who Benedict Cumberbatch was was not a spoiler. Granted, it's not anything that anyone worth their salt hadn't figured out and went, J.J., just shut the fuck up and admit it. But <clears throat> I haven't seen it yet. I, uh, Courtney's I busy, either. so I... Yeah. Joe? Yeah. Um, I have... What I'll do is I'll point you to Paul Dini's Facebook page. Paul Dini summarizes the new Star Trek in a way that I think all of us really kind of wish we could have summarized it as well. Um, he's not a big fan. I'm not a big fan. Um, I'll leave it at that. I'm already in enough trouble. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I know that the into the lion's den. I'm ready to get the hell kicked out of me, and I'm going to try and make you guys love me as much as possible before you jump into the real topic here and beat the hell out of me. Um, and while I'm doing that, 
I don't really want to earn any more negative points. So I'm just going to leave it in Paul Dini's capable hands. And if you guys disagree with him, you know, tell the guy who created Batman the Animated Series that he's wrong. I dare you. Now, I think there is a lot to love and a lot to dislike of the movie. Um, Let me ask, stop, if, stop, just real quick. Was Damon Lindoff part of the screenplay? <laughs> it, is this the pause as you're, as you're desperately scrambling through IMDb to try and have this little bit of information? Are you asking no. me? I mean, the sandwich. No, no, no. He's, he, he's asking me, and what part of... I'm into my fourth shot glass. Were you not aware of? <laughs> All did, right, you, did you start the drinking with the uh, lens, flare, lens flare drinking game? Is that the problem? Hey, if I, I'll say this about the lens flare argument. Did anyone catch Simon Pegg's uh, response to that when somebody asked about? The... <laughs> he went off. Um, basically, I'm he... about to go off. Oh, Damon Lindoff. Yes, he wrote it. No wonder Star Trek Into Darkness will be a little convoluted and confusing near the end, and it'll turn out they're all dead. (laughs) Now, I think uh, for for those of us that can go into a movie and completely turn off their brain, it's a fun movie. But if you sit in a movie and actually think during it, uh, yeah, I can see where Paul's going. Um... I think anytime yeah. you start any argument whatsoever with that shit, I think you've pretty much lost. So, um, so, so in other words, you're, right. you're telling me to use the same tactic that people have told me to use watching Michael Bay's Transformers movies. Is that what I'm hearing you say? I, and I can tell from your, from your general opinion of Michael Bay that that has worked exceedingly well for you. <laughs> Guys, all I have to say is Transformers nutsack. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean... Done. Would you like to rebut that, or can we just move on with our lives? I don't need those balls against my butt, so we're fine. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> if I knew it was going to be this kind of show, I would have worn my thong. <laughs> but instead, it's the assless chap. So, I, I think at this point... Oddly enough, we've... you say that, I'm actually dressing as one half of WWF Demolition... The famous tag team duo for Dragon Con. It'll be my first ever cosplay, and I'm actually wearing assless chaps. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's always one guy in assless, at least one guy in assless chaps at a con. con, It might as well be you, (laughs) I guess. It's funny. You think it's a joke. No, I'm going to be one half of Demolition. It's going to be pathetic and funny all at once. Uh, I'm completely okay with with pathetic and funny. I have done it many times myself to great effect. So you've been talking to my ex. Oh! <laughs> That's okay. I thought you were going to say you were okay with assless chaps, which was going to be TMI. Well, speaking of assless chaps and me, Are you let's, not? Hit, let's hit the meat of the show. Okay. Let's make this official. I, okay, can we can we set some ground rules here right now that we do not talk about assless chaps and meat in the same sentence again? <sighs> if we must. I think we already did. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving forward. If, it, uh, just, if you're going to live in our fun, Courtney, I'm out. I'm sorry, I didn't. You're 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 doing that Skype thing, so I missed that. Okay. So, um, Joe, you say you're a writer of sorts, and why Why should people know who you are? What, oh, this guy. Oh, yeah. I don't know what this guy is. You're blipping out. I can't hear you. Oh, motherfucker. 
You still there, Joe? Nope. Oh, but but on a side note, I hear you much clearer now, Eric. Well, that's wonderful. As the bandwidth begins to, am am I back? You are back. You're back. Yes. Hooray for that! <laughs> and much clearer. Thank you. Yes. Hooray! Internet. We did it just for you. <laughs> Yay! Skype decided to participate in this call. Yeah. Skype, <laughs> Skype loves to yak on special guests. Just ask, uh, yeah, Phil, my ask yeah. So, Joe, let's let's hear a little bit about you. Let's let's get some groundwork here because I, I'll I'll be honest with you. We we have a mutual friend. Whether you know you've got a lot of friends on Facebook, and I know it's hard to sort through these things. I like to try to keep mine below two hundred. But um, eighty man, she she had posted uh, some of your stuff about the art of Akira early on, and I and that's how I got turned on to your website and uh some of the stuff that you've worked on but um yeah so who is joe peacock oh man what a transcendental question um i've been struggling to answer that through therapy and meditation um and the answer i came up with is uh essentially i'm just a bored dude who's been exceptionally lucky um Essentially, let's see, my career started with software development in the dot-com era. I got bored with that and started writing books on the internet and asking people to help me edit them. Um, This was pre-blogging and pre-social media and pre-liking things via clicking and retweeting. And um, put a book out, and people seemed to like it for some reason. And uh, Penguin bought the book and my second book, and that propelled me to a very mild amount of notoriety, but not much. Um, the second book came out and people seem to like that too. And I'm not quite sure why, uh, all the while I've been collecting animation cells from Akira and other movies. And I started an art exhibit called art of Akira. Um, people seem to like that a little bit. And through those connections and people I've been getting to know and my writing and software and whatever else I landed, um, square in the middle of running a company that does video game and animation assets for um, major game publishers. And um, that's pretty much why I'm here with you today, I suppose. Well, I'm just, before I, I, I'm I'm curious about this Art of Akira thing real quick. Um, How did this start? Because, I mean, if I... You have like one of the largest collections of the original cell animation and background shots. Um, oh no, 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 no! no? Let, let me just go ahead and, and pat myself on the back. I have the largest okay collection of animation cells in the world, um, and that's oh. just raw animation cells. I'm actually uh, Guinness verified, and um, then I also own the largest collection of animation cells from Akira, um, as well as backgrounds and such, and. Essentially, it started with a you know childhood hobby uh, that not many other people shared, which was collecting animation cells. There wasn't much of a market for it back when I was young. Mm-hmm. But over time, you know, um, basically, animation cells were kind of seen by the studios the same way a carpenter sees sawdust, and they were just throwing stuff out and you know burning it. And uh, Streamline, um, who bought the rights to Akira as well as a couple other movies, um, brought all of those animation cells to America and. Um, gave some away to help promotion, promote films and also sold them. And I just got into it and really started collecting stuff. And over the years, 
Um, I went from collecting a few at a time to a bunch at a time. And then as economies would dip, people would sell entire collections and I would just buy them. And, um, you know, basically at a certain point, I realized what I had in my possession did not belong in a file cabinet or in a closet or in a, you know, in an archive somewhere. They, you know, there are people who adore Akira, um, me being one of them and, um, animation experts, illustration experts, everyone will tell you Akira is the single finest animated feature ever created, um, at 24 frames per second for two and a half hours. It is a feat unmatched by any other animated feature in existence. And to leave that in a closet somewhere is just sort of a sin. And I think that at a certain point, I just felt like I I went from collector to curator. And I felt like the world needed to see this stuff. And very luckily, I partnered up with a guy named Joe Woes in Pittsburgh. After a year of searching, I finally found someone who believed in the same mission. And uh, Joe and I created the Art of a Cure exhibit. Uh, and, and launched it at, at Toonzeum in 2010, and the rest is history. You know, I've been touring comic book conventions and museums, animation museums specifically, uh, and, you know, basically have taken this around the world. And I take the original Akira animation stuff, the backgrounds, the layouts, the pencils, the concepts, and provide them to anyone who's curious about Akira, interested in animation, interested in illustration, and allow them to kind of dive in and wow. see firsthand this stuff that you would never ever knew even existed had you know it not fallen into my hands and I just sufficiently became motivated to do this thing um and it's not like I'm a a devil at soul I I just I don't know what really overcame me I I got a hold of if you haven't seen it yet on YouTube you can google why Akira matters you can see my little three minute animation about or or video about this but I happen to uh, find a background from Akira that I found astounding. It was gorgeous. It was a purple city background. It was illuminated at night, and it was beautiful. And I had no idea it was from Akira. I, I had no clue. Um, and I put it in a folder called Not Akira, as I do with everything that's not Akira. <laughs> um, it's When you buy big animation collections, especially from Streamline, you end up with stuff from all kinds of different movies. And this purple background was gorgeous, and it just didn't fit in with anything I had. And it's because the layout, the, the pencil layout that they do when they, when they take a frame and then they pencil it out really lightly was so small and tiny because this, the city fit between two buildings less than four centimeters apart. So they weren't really anticipating anyone would ever see this background to begin with, much less you know the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But the, the artist, just like every other background in all of Akira, every cell, every piece of art, the artist was doing this art, so he did the whole thing. He did the whole city. Didn't matter whether it was going to be seen or not. He just drew it, and he painted it, and it's immaculate. And if it wasn't for the fact that I just happened to be watching Akira almost a year after receiving that particular background and just happened to catch far in the distance between those two buildings that background, mm-hmm. it, I don't think the exhibit would exist right now. But I was so overcome with just how beautiful this piece of art was and the fact that I didn't even know it was an Akira, and I've seen this movie well over a thousand times, it, it was it was a movement in me. I, I, I not bowel, but it was <laughs> very it was very seminal. Like I can't really explain much more than if I was an Akira fan and I knew this existed, but no one ever showed me. How would I feel? And it just kind of dawned on me: I am now responsible for this art, not just the owner, but I'm responsible. 
Now I can put this away and be selfish or I can put it out in the world and let people check this thing out. And that's what I chose to do. And it's cost a lot of money and it, it is not easy. It is a hard job, but it's worth every single second because it's led me to meet some of the most amazing people on the planet. It's allowed me to share this experience. Um, whether you're an Akira fan, an animation fan, an illustration fan, or just a film fan, when you see this work, the first thing that, that hits everyone is the amount of work it takes to create just one second of animation. And if I can provide that for people, if I can, if I can give them that sense of like wonder and, and excitement beyond what it takes just to do one second of a two-hour film, that perspective is going to carry with them. And maybe it'll give them you know, an insight to create a career. Maybe we'll give them an insight to share with their children. Maybe they just are entertained for an hour. I don't know. But what I do know is that there's more good that comes from putting this stuff out there in the world than just leaving it in my closet. And that's kind of what Art of Akira is about. And you right there sold my wife on why she should uh, follow the Art of Akira. I, you just summed up everything that she loves about animation cells and why mm -hmm. she collects them. <clears throat> that, yeah, that I'm like, ah, oh, crap, dude, you just won me over. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. No, that's me, very cool. cool. Yeah. I mean, I can, I personally can say, um, I had, I had a very brief, um, uh, period of freelance employment with storyboard animation. And I know some of just like the detail that goes into just the storyboards themselves. And a lot of that truly had to do with Akira. I did not believe that animation could be anything um, more than just the shit that was on TV uh, for kids to sell sugar cereal until I remember I had a, um, an art teacher in junior high, and so this would have been 1989 or 1990. I'm going to say 1990. He had a copy of it, and he allowed me and one of uh, my other friends on our lunch break to sit and watch this. And it, and it took a long time to watch it, so it became this long, drawn-out epic. It felt as if I was watching a serial, and, and um, the movie just resonated with me on a level because I, I had heard about it, oddly enough, I think from MTV Movie News, and knew that it existed, but you know, I had the, I had the Robotech, I had uh, Captain Harlock, I had Battle of the Planets slash Gotcha Man that I was familiar with, but I didn't realize how in depth um, a story could be and how beautiful animation could be. And so I'm I'm truly thankful that uh, you've held on to this stuff just for well, other people to enjoy. It wasn't. And I'm being selfish for just a moment. It wasn't for them that I held on to it, but it's oh, I believe it. like my life has changed. Um, it, my life has become a, a much more open situation in the last three years. Um, I truly believe that I have the responsibility since I'm the owner and I own this stuff. Um, I, I, I can't explain it, man. It's the same reason people come to Christ, right? You, you, you feel, <laughs> I don't understand you that. Feel something. Though. It's, it's bigger than you. And and what really hit me, and, and you know, it's, it's cool. I mean, you know, like laughing, I'm, I'm not offended at all. Like, I, want you to, I want you to take the joke, which is meant. But at the same time, it's a very serious thing that there's something very vital in that if it wasn't for my art teacher believing in me in high school when no other teacher wanted to even put up with my really stubborn, annoying ass, 
I wouldn't have the wherewithal to to actually believe in you know myself as any kind of artist whatsoever if it wasn't for the fact that I had a few very important people point me towards some existing work you know from you know Bukowski and you know other artists or other writers I wouldn't give a shit about writing right mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the fact that those guys did that in the first place like there would be no volume or collection of work to point towards and say oh no this is good stuff you know if someone hadn't collected all of Dolly's stuff or or Andy Warhol's stuff and put it in museums like what good is art if it isn't visible to the public right so having this stuff as a collector is really well and good and it's great bragging rights and it's really awesome that like I own blah 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 but it isn't about putting it out in the world so that everyone knows I had anything to do with it it's about like what do you do with the world's largest collection of the finest animation ever made well you either are an asshole and you sit on that or you put it out in the world and see what happens and I can tell you man the first weekend I did anything with Art of Akira at Tunzium, a family came in on Saturday, and and you know Courtney, I've, I I'm going to go ahead and apologize for making you not hate me anymore, um, because I'm probably going to cry while I tell the story. Um, it's it's a pretty powerful moment, and it's probably one of the most powerful of my life. A family came in, and it was just a mom, dad, and their two children, and um, it was a nine year old and a six year old, and they came in the door. And they sat there for two hours while their children sat at drawing desks in the Tunzium and drew everything they saw from the Art of Akira exhibit. And as I spoke to these parents, they had no idea what Akira even was. They were just in Pittsburgh for the day and heard about Tunzium and decided to stop in because it sounded like a cool thing for their kids to check out. Right? So we're dealing with people my age. I'm 36 years old who are having children, who are telling their children, no, this is a cool thing. Animation is awesome. Geek culture is awesome, and you should celebrate it, and you should enjoy it, and you should really, really take it in and draw and do math and learn science. Um, These are things that I didn't get as a kid, okay? I mean, like, I was supposed to play football and then go drive a bus for a living. I mean, I'm not kidding. That's what I was told I was supposed to do with my life. And... When you see parents who came up through our circumstances in the 80s and 90s where it wasn't cool at all to be geese, all right? I mean, this shit was really tough. The mere fact that you like comic books made you a loser. Yeah. These folks are now having kids, and it's not just okay. It's not just cool. It's like from on high, from the most important people in your entire life, the people that gave you life, who you will listen to no matter what, looking at you and saying, Art is awesome. Math is awesome. Science is awesome. Please go forth and be the smartest, most creative person you can possibly be. And we've got your back. That's some important shit, man. And if I have just one little itty-bitty iota in some kid's life where they spent an afternoon on Saturday in Pittsburgh drawing animation cells, (laughs) tell me what's better. I mean, I, I fucking defy you to tell me <laughs> what's better that, in life. That's yeah, exactly that is your... when art. Sorry, Clayton, go ahead. go ahead. No, go, Courtney. I said that's exactly what art is about of any sort. So, yeah, that's that's amazing. That's great. It's a yeah, win to, moment. Yeah, to touch people and get and get people to see their 
there there can be more and there there can be wonderful things and you can do them that's beautiful encouragement is the one thing that i wish i had gotten that i i swear to god i'll go on my deathbed knowing that i gave to other people because it just wasn't in abundance when i was young and it's not much in abundance now as an adult either it's really kind of difficult to walk around with permanent cartoon pajamas and have people take you seriously unless you become so serious no one can deny you you know and that's really kind of where i'm at and if you really want to segue into the fake geek girl thing you want to know why i get pissed off about people who pander to the geek crowd like if, if you look at it and say it's fashionable now so we're going to cash in so we're going to make our money we're going to make our time i'm going to make my portfolio i'm going to sell what i have that isn't it part of the culture. I'm just going to make it look like it, and I'm going to take advantage of you so that I can cash in when I spent the vast majority of my young adulthood getting the crap kicked out of me, literally, because I liked what I liked. Not, I mean, it was, it was that hard to grow up as a geek in suburban Georgia. You know, I mean, you went to the, the, the computer lab, and you were laughed at, and it was merely the fact that I was gigantic, that people didn't fuck with me. But my friends, constantly. Constantly beat up, constantly harangued, constantly annoyed because they happen to like what they like. And that annoys the piss out of me. And I'm really, really sorry that I happened to piss off half, if not more, of the internet with an article that called out that behavior. And I do genuinely remorse that I stuck to a gender because that really invalidated where I was going with the article and with the argument. But Mm -hmm. I still stand by the premise when you when you cash in on a passion and you don't share that passion, you don't understand that passion, you are not a part of that passion, you're a part of the problem. And you devalue that which all of us actually genuinely have fought for authenticity. And you look at shows like The Big Bang Theory, all right? I fucking hate that show with a passion because it's the most disgustingly pandering just one-off, terrible show that's like, hey, geeks, you made it. You're on CBS at 9 p.m. It's awesome. Look at you, buddy. We're going to sell soap while you celebrate the fact that you got a second on television. Fuck you. My biggest issue with it was what you said, that it turned into a gender thing. I believe that is an issue that goes across gender, and I wasn't quite sure what, what being girl had to do with it. I regret that. I genuinely regret that. And this is, you know, I wrote that article in in August, I guess, and it went to press in September. Mm-hmm. If I could do it all over again, you know what? It's kind of hard because if I could do it all over again, I think I'd make a more salient argument that spanned more gender. So let me um, ask you a more, question real quick. Yeah. Why don't you? I'm yeah. going to. You know why? And I'm going to be honest with you guys, and this is kind of an open moment. Like You have to understand also, this is my first interview and getting close to a year. Um, because it hurts. And I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's a fucking hard thing to look the next morning in the mirror and know that you're responsible for over 3 million pissed off people. And then the next day, you're responsible for 14 million pissed off people. That article was the single most read article on CNN in the last four years. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, the only other article that got more traffic was after Osama bin Laden was killed. Hmm. I pissed off the whole internet. <laughs> it fucking hurt. Like it was tough. But it I was think, really tough. And and I and and, and uh, I mean I'm sorry. I apologize for interrupting you. Um, I I I can understand why not delving further into the issue. Um, cause that confusion, and I think mm-hmm. I think the message that you have is is worth putting back out there. Now I don't know how CNN operates. You're the one that that obviously does, but I think that that's a story that needs to be followed up on, and they'd be fucking stupid not to pay you for that. Absolutely. Um, well, number one, this is a, this is <laughs> you want to know why it hurts so bad? I don't get paid. Um, oh. CNN, Huffington Post, the places I write, I don't write because there's money there. There's no money there. Mm-hmm. They don't pay. Um, I write because I feel like what I have to say needs to be out there. And so I volunteer my work and it goes out there and it gets traffic and whatever the hell else. The reason why it would be impossible to follow that up. And I did try. Um, there's no punishment. There's no, you know, there's no hard feelings. Okay. The article ran and CNN stood by it. The opportunity to follow up on it was never given to me. And when I asked for it, it wasn't received. I think the reason why is because I think that anything I could have possibly said, anything whatsoever besides I'm sticking by my guns, go fuck yourself, would look like a backtrack. And there's a good point there, okay? Um, We're dealing with a major news organization whose entire revenue structure functions and funnels through journalistic integrity and the fact that they put stuff out there and people pay attention they click. I can't go back and say, oh, my bad, (laughs) I didn't mean what I said, because that's not true. Um, What's true is that article was meant to be the first in several articles about the destruction of geek culture. What ended up happening, though, is after it hit press, I never really got the chance to kind of keep going in that vein and say, no, no, no. Like, I'm going to stand up as the guy on the Internet who's going to stand up for this culture, and I'm going to point out everything that's wrong with it. Basically, I just looked like a misogynist asshole, and that's okay. I wrote the piece. I know exactly what I sounded like, and I wrote it on purpose, and I really, 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 really wish that I could go back and massage a little bit of that article. At the same time, what's happened since then? You know, if it has, if I have to be grease in the tread under the fucking tank that rolled through this whole you know, situation – then that's okay. You know, I'll be a grief spot. That's, I mean, I big boy, I can take it. The discourse has elevated and people have really gotten into this topic and people have discussed it and really great things have spawned from it. Now, it sucks to be the one who gets crushed under the boot. But at the same time, you know, I'm not really lamenting this day in and day out. I'm not crying about it. And it's not something that, 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 that you know, crushes my soul. Um, it doesn't feel so good. But if I can be an agent of change, eh, so be it. It's the same thing as the art of Akira, just on the bad side of things. If I end up being a catalyst that stirs the pot and gets things going and people talk about things that affect positive change, okay, cool. You know, and I'm not trying to sound like Batman. I'm the hero Arkham needs me to be or whatever the fuck. Like, I don't have that sense of grandeur. What I do know is that something I wrote sparked a conversation that still persists to this day right now. No. Yeah, let, and that conversation let history, had. Yeah, let history properly judge you, not this month, this year, but 
10 years, 20 years from now, when that discussion has evolved and people have realized that they've really stepped away from what makes them them and they need to come back and go, you know, I'm proud that I love Star Wars and or I'm an engineer and I love everything that is about engineering and you can make fun of me for it, but I'm proud of that. If that's what you got, if that's the ball that you started down the hill, then I think history is going to judge you correctly. They're going to say, this is the guy who got the ball rolling and got us to where we need to be today. I'm not worried about that. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, Courtney, actually, you've been, you've been really patient and I think that you have Uh the most to say about this. I really want to give you a chance. I'm sorry to, Oh, no, that's fine. I'm very interested in what you have to say because, um, you know, one one gets, you know, ideas from what from what we from what you know one reads. And I think the best the best source for what the author intended is the actual author, even if it didn't come out necessarily how you would write it now. So assuming that you can do so without getting CNN totally ticked off at you or us, uh, what what would you go back and massage about that right now? What would I? I would I would make the article about three times longer and, and highlight more of the charlatanism that takes place at conventions and in the industry. Um, there are people who walk up to people like Adam Hughes and they lie about their child having cancer so they can get a sketch and then sell it on eBay. There are people who walk in the door representing that they have, you know, some of the most rare comic books for sale and they're all counterfeit. There are people who will go on eBay and clear out actually really rare stuff and then sell it at a fantastic markup to people and prey on them in the collector culture. There are people who will go and enter cosplay contests who have no interest whatsoever in the industry, no interest whatsoever in the actual character. They're just entering this for notoriety for their big costuming company. Okay, I mean, all of those things, they happen day in and day out. I mean, and there's stuff also... Like, I go to Dragon Con every year. Atlanta is a host of Dragon Con. I've been going to Dragon Con for over 20 years. I watch as jocks and city people and socialites show up to the Mardi Gras for geeks, and they wear a masquerade mask and maybe a Wonder Woman, you know, tiara, and they fucking show up and like they've been there all along, and they drink and they hobnob and they laugh at all of us who actually love this stuff. And that stuff just drives me fucking crazy because it's cool right now. It's in the theaters, you know. Tony Stark is the biggest hero ever. Iron Man 3 is one of the biggest movies in the nation. It is phenomenal to think that Robert Downey Jr. is what geekdom is actually all about when actually he's just a goddamn great actor who plays Tony Stark really well. But those of us who read the the 80s storylines where Tony Stark was an alcoholic and he had a bad ticker, we remember those days, and while we were reading those comics, we didn't get the recognition or, or notoriety that you know Robert Downey Jr. brings with his role. It wasn't very cool. When Dolph Lundgren came in as the Punisher in the early 90s, we weren't exactly lauded. That movie was dumb. By all <laughs> industry analysis, that was a dumb, bad, stupid movie. Oh, yeah, okay? but it's a hoot. <laughs> oh, I still love it. I mean, don't get me wrong. In fact, yeah. it's the only Punisher movie that sucked. Like I do love what Thomas Jane is doing now with that new the new Punisher trailer that hit YouTube. Like that that looks like a Punisher movie to me. That looks phenomenal. 
But and if that comes out, I'll watch it all day long. That sounds like it's that that to me sounds like sounds like that is an asshat problem, not a gender problem. No, you're right. You're exactly right. So my yes, my question is my question is why why did you then yeah why did you then turn it into or address the the gender aspect of it when it sounds yeah to me like it's it's problem with asshattery. You want to know the truth? Um, well, yes, obviously please. you do. You asked a question. <laughs> yes, please. Um, no, I'm going to tell you a lie. Um, <laughs> um, no. It, the thing is, I'm a guy. You know, hardware is intact. It's down there. I'm a dude. I, I spent the vast majority of my elementary, middle, and high school career being looked down on by girls because I like geek shit. All right? To think that at 36 years old, I could be at a convention behind a table and watch a softcore porn model or, you know, these this new crop of cosplay women who are selling prints of themselves dressed as heroes who are they only tangentially familiar with, knowing that it's profitable. Look at me and flirt with me and think that they're part of my community and then meanwhile laugh at me behind my back. Okay, maybe not me specifically, but my industry and my people and my fans and my the people who are at that con who genuinely love this stuff pisses me the fuck off. And yeah, it, the sex part of this, the gender part of this, that's what got my ball rolling. I knew it would be sensational. I knew it would get headlines. I knew it would get the ball rolling. I had no clue the magnitude, but that's my fault. Okay, it isn't like, well, if only... I knew how big it would be. I would go back. No, that's bullshit. That's weak. That's just that's just being a child and saying I wanted to cause a stir, just not that big of one. No, that's you're not. That's not your responsibility anymore. The second you decide you're going to cause a stir, you've decided, and you need to either stick with it or don't. But I knew that it was going to be controversial. I just didn't realize how big and how loud and how angry. But that's my fault, not anyone else's. I I, did go after the gender side of things because I felt like it was a, you know, if you look at what Tony Harris said about the exact same topic, and if you go to conventions and just undercover walk up to dudes at behind tables, not in front of tables, but behind tables, ask them, as an artist, what do you think of this whole thing? You'll get two answers. The first one is they're really nice you know, well, I think it's great that this is accessible to just about anybody, blah, 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 blah. And you say, yeah, come on, man, quit fucking around. What do you think? And they'll go, honestly, it pisses me off. And they'll tell you that. Now, I'm not going to name any names, but, I mean, I could literally, literally, just a litany of comic pros, animation pros, film pros, people who have been around the industry for 20 years, who have been to these cons, who have seen how the audience has grown not only in gender, in terms of male and female, but also in social strata. From the basement-dwelling, you know, living-with-parents-geek stereotype to to the Amber Chromie and Fitch model who happened to hear that Iron Man was awesome and her boyfriend dragged her there. You know, like, that's, it's there. And it is annoying. And it is really aggravating. I think that part of the reason, and I'm sure you've heard this over and over again at this point, I think that part of the reason why so many why so many people, um, especially females, reacted so strongly to us is so many of us have been accused of that. 
that, oh, you're not really into this whole geek thing. You're just doing it because it's cool. You're just doing it because your boyfriend's into it. You're just doing it because, you know, you think you're, this is an easy way to get guys. Um, when when yeah, that hasn't been the fair. case. It's very unfair. And most – I – I know I have been accused of that, and I'm not one that that I don't like to get on and you know whine and complain. Oh, I've been so mistreated, but you know that's happened to many of us. And in some cases, it's not that we aren't you know we don't know about something. You know, and this is people. It's not, once again, not just women. We don't necessarily not know something because we aren't really interested. It's more because we haven't had the opportunity. And sometimes, you know, that's that it, it's kind of off-putting. Um, it's very off-putting when you're trying to, to, uh, to learn more about something or trying to get into something and, and getting accused, oh, well, you're just into it because of the guys. You're just into it because of your boyfriend. It's quite possible the first person that you got that was willing to talk to you about it was your boyfriend. I tried to get into D&D games for years as a kid, and none of the boys would let me play. I had to, I, I had to get into college and find, uh, and, and find, you know, and, you know, date people who would, who would be willing to. That was the only way I could let people in because they didn't want to let, you know, they didn't want to, you know, Oh, you know, a girl might mess up the might mess up the uh, you know the, the 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 group dynamics or something. I'm not saying that everybody experiences that, or even that that's the majority. You know, in general, people have been very you know very friendly, very willing to explain. But it's, so many people have experienced that in one form or another, and that we feel like we have to be one of the good ones. You know. That you know that that's kind of what was a little off-putting about it. And I'm sure you've heard that a million times. Sorry to ramble on there, uh, but you know I think that's you know probably what what pissed off 14 million people. <laughs> so and I know that isn't necessarily it's, what you intended. So let, no, let me ask not, a but it's real it's real and it's something mm-hmm. I have to constantly. I mean, it's a consequence I have to deal with. And I mean, you're right. It's unfair as a female that you're automatically shoved into a drawer where, well, girls don't like this stuff. You must be here for ulterior motives. It's the exact same problem as someone faking it just to get some, some you know, notoriety or some attention. It's a nasty, nasty topic. Mm-hmm. And that's why, for better or for worse, I can't go back and I can't change a thing I did. But what I'll tell you is that there are now two sides of an argument that people weren't really paying much attention to that are now first and foremost in everyone's head is A, do women belong in the culture? And B, why does that even matter? Why is that a question? Those two questions are very important. So let me ask this question real quick. So with the... um... With with the popularity and shows like Big Bang Theory that have um, really taken advantage of geek culture... What do you say about the person who goes in, much like you said, kind of plays the game? Oh, I, you know, I was always into this, and you know, they're they're the ones that that mocked us and harangued us back when we were uh, younger, and they they discover a true passion um, because they finally uh, we're all reserved the rights to change our minds. Okay. 
All right. Yeah. I think, I mean, you look at the movie 300. To me, 300 changed a lot. 300 was the first time I saw and heard people I knew from high school in the film community and the drama clubs talk, talking about comic books for the first time ever. This is pre-Watchmen. I mean, this is like, this was really the change. Like After Sin City, 300 kind of opened a bunch of people's minds and eyes to the fact that comic books were great source material for some awesome fiction. And it was like, oh my God, you fucking assholes. I remember very vividly you teasing me about the comics I brought to class to read instead of textbooks. And one of them was 300. Okay, I remember that very specifically. And now you're going to ask me what I think of it? You know what I think of it? Go fuck yourself. That's what I think of it. Um, that's not a very valid criticism of what I think of the movie. But it was how I felt. Um, and I'm assuming that you're talking about some very specific people that you, you know had had made fun of people for things like that. Because that's another thing yeah. that I think a lot of women in uh, in geek culture get is accused of being somebody who, you know, oh, you're the you're the girl who wouldn't give me the time of day when I was 16. I'm like, okay, I didn't even know you. You don't know what I was like. But that's another thing that women run into quite frequently. But, but one thing I'll tell you, it doesn't make it okay, all right? But what I'll tell you is the mere fact that you said those words to me means you at least acknowledge that particular position exactly. Oh, yes. This, there are asshats Which means of every there time. are definitely men who went through what you just described. And I guarantee yeah, you there are women that went through that from the men's side, too. It is not a gender issue. It's an asshat issue. I had plenty of guys give me crap in high school. And right. yeah, it, it happens on both sides. And I understand that people are people are going to, you know, internalize the one that happened to them the most. And, you know, it's very natural. It, it's a natural impulse to generalize that. But yeah, that's, that's an issue, of, I think, of people being a jerk, not an issue of, of you know, what gender. They're jerks of all gender. Which I know you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, You're right. So, but it does. It happens on both. It happens on both sides. And and without a doubt, I mean, I'm 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 just going to stand from the, the the viewpoint that I was the um, uh, the geek guy who had the mohawk and just um, I was the one that tried desperately to to bridge that gap and 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 and, and I could see both ends of that spectrum and and constantly trying to defend and co constantly trying to justify um I I think a lot of this just kind of comes down to the to the human nature factor of um you know what it is it what is it that we're willing to do and say in order to feel comfortable with ourselves to feel comfortable within our our little subclicks um, and of course, I'm going to take on the more um, I've mentioned before. I'm actually a therapist by trade. I'm going to take on the more peaceful route and say, you know, if 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 at this point I I I can watch Big Bang Theory and I can be irritated by it, or I can look at it and say, okay, so you see that joke they made? Uh, let's have a conversation, and I'll talk to you about it now. And and I think the more acceptance that we personally get, um, and if we let go of a lot of that fucking pain, because a lot of us geeks have that pain, the older that we are, the more bitter we are. Um, 
you know, I think we can change it for the for the better. But, you know, my my opinion is 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 just that I see exactly where Joe was coming from. I understand it. And it pisses me off, too, on the ass hattery thing. Um, but I think it was a great dialogue that that needed to be had overall. So since we're kind of running low on time, yeah, here, I think that the kumbaya aspect, yeah, it's 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 the which does more more good, you know, getting pissed off about it or talking about a positive way to change things. Obviously, talking about a positive way to change things, but there is an argument, and there will always be an argument that Martin Luther King's movement had much more validity because the Black Panthers even existed. To let people know, hey, there's a group of people who are going to enter into a peaceful dialogue. You probably want to talk to them first because this other group over here who's fucking furious with you, you don't want to deal with them. All right? That's the side that I think that people tend to forget is that there's a fury and a hatred and a hostility brewing and, and, and present in a group of people who have watched their culture prominence and they weren't on the train okay it feels like they were because it's like the same kind of stuff doctor who is at its almost fucking phenomenal famousist you know we watch comic books turn into movies constantly all day long and yet only with red 2 did cully hamner and warren ellis get any kind of credit whatsoever you go to san diego comic-con the word comic is in the fucking title of the convention biggest convention in the world where were Cully Hammer and Warren Ellis on the panel for Red? They weren't there. Hmm. Talk to me about that for a second. Okay. And like, explain to me why that movie, after that graphic novel, by those two a phenomenal writer and artist team, had no representation in the material that formulated a multi-million dollar box office hit. And and that's and that's where where things need to continue to evolve. I mean, I I, I know that Marvel is part of um, the bigger picture now, but with Marvel Studios, and I can't find the article fast enough to quote exactly who it was. I want to say it's the CEO, and I can't remember his name, but he mentioned that Ant Man, in and of itself, right there, was part of the reason why they created Marvel Studios because people like that didn't fucking get that that these properties had meaning to people and, and you had to look past, you know, just what seems superficially silly and see how much passion and intensity and fucking phenomenal writing is behind these things. And, 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 and I'm glad that people are finally getting that, um, that recognition, but yeah, it's not coming quick enough. It's the diamonds of Sierra Leone, man. And I'm sorry to try and take a travesty of a tribe of people in Africa who get butchered, bloodily butchered, and turn it into our thing. But like, it's the closest thing we have in America where our creatives, the people who slave and spend their entire lives kind of in the doldrums of society, making up cool shit that we all love, get butchered and have their ideas, you know, I wouldn't say stolen. They get paid handsomely. But they get no recognition. Yeah. The type of personality gets no recognition. The type of person gets no recognition. The creativity gets no recognition. None of it gets recognition. All right? There's just a check written that's like, hey, thank you. Your money's on the nightstand. Get the fuck out. And that's really the best they can hope for when their other option is obscurity and no money whatsoever. It isn't like I'm going to scoff at those guys for taking the check they get. 
Okay, it's not like I'm going to scoff at a bunch of dudes who get a little bit of attention from, you know, the studios or society or, you know, let's get all the way back down to Geek Girls for a second. Hot girl thinks you're hot because you're into comics? You're going to jump at that. Whether it's fake or real, whether you believe it or don't, whether it's real and legitimate or you're being played, doesn't matter. Finally, someone somewhere looks like they're paying attention to you and you've been desperate for that one moment. Hmm. Your whole life to be taken seriously? It kind of hurts when you realize the truth of it. That's why the article. And I'm sorry that I turned it into a gender issue, and I'm not sorry I turned it into a gender issue, because apparently it's sticking, and people are talking about it. As a human being, as a, as a person, I regret that I caused pain on a gender line. As a journalist, or as whatever you want to call me, rabble rouser, I'm not sorry at all, because I pick the one thing that would get people to wake the fuck up and talk about this thing. I'm afraid people might not be talking about the point that you intended to make. I think well, it right. sounds like a good uh, a good flag for us to raise and to go forward mm-hmm. and make sure that Joe's intention is known for the for what everybody needs to know it for. Yeah, and it's not that the point that's, you know, come up that people are focusing on, you know, isn't a topic that needs to be discussed. But yeah, I'm I'm not sure that the message that you're speaking of at this point uh is is what people have been focusing on, which is too bad. You're right. Okay, so what I'm gonna do because I know that we have a certain amount of time left with you is um I'm going to I'm gonna send an open invite to you, Joe. That if I don't feel that we we even got a, much of an opportunity to cover all of your work, um, you're always welcome back on the podcast. I was just oh, I lovely. was just Thank typing you. up a message saying I'm sorry we haven't gotten a chance to get through the other stuff. This has been a great conversation. I'll speak up. Would you like to come back sometime? So yeah, totally, guys. I would love to come back anytime. Let me you know. Let me know when you'd like to have me, and I'll be there. Awesome. All right. Well. Okay, so I think it's I think it's time to wrap things up at this point, just for the respect of time here. So um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna cut this a little short, but I think uh, Clayton, since this was your idea, let's talk about that um, that contest. Are you still there, Clayton? Clayton is mute. Clayton, as always, has muted himself, so he's <laughs> silly. Uh, for uh, those of us, uh, for those of you that have been following Geekhead the last uh, month or so, we are running a contest. Uh, we are looking for your feedback. If you are in the uh, the channel, like there are a few people in uh, here on Justin TV tonight, listening to us, or if you have uh, left us a review on iTunes, uh, you are uh, entered into a a contest to uh, win a T-shirt from uh, Geekhead Radio, and uh, we're going to continue this through the next podcast in a week or two, at which the end of the next podcast we're going to announce who the winner of that is going to be. Um, so you still have plenty of time to get out there and leave us a review and tell us what you think of us, what we can do better, what we should not do again, uh, <laughs> what we're doing well, if we should bring uh, Joe back, and how, and if so, how many times? I'm thinking five or six at this point. Um, the application I'm wondering is infinite times. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and now, Joe... 
I'm going to ask one question here real quick. What is it going to take to get you to go to the the first Salt Lake City Comic Con? Because they're still piling up guests. Because I want to see the start of Akira. Um, all I have to do is be invited. I mean, if if the Comic Con wants me out there and, and I can work out to where I don't have to spend too much money, I'll come on out. Okay, I'll start twisting some arms. Awesome. Cool. Did I interrupt you, Clayton, before you talked about the actual T-shirt? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> if uh, if you want to know what the T-shirt looks like, go ahead and head on over to uh, Geekhead Radio. Uh, you can uh, look on uh, Saturday morning um, and see uh, me uh, modeling it in all my glory. Um, <laughs> it is... Uh, <laughs> It's 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 simple and straightforward, and I think anybody who wears it will uh, wear it with pride. Clayton, are you a wannabe model? <laughs> well, and then we've got the and then after this contest runs, we're gonna have the uh, create Courtney sign off because I didn't get a chance to remind her to create one. So, uh, well, no, I thought about it. I that's part of the reason I logged into Twitter because you last <laughs> podcast. Cast, you asked people to you asked people to submit, and I have nothing. So oh, people. Oh, okay. I think something's happening over at uh, Joe's end. So, um, at this point, I think it's time for Preacher Twenty Three to say, "Don't just embrace your inner geek. Make mad, furious love to it." And this is Perrin. Uh, thank you for getting head from Geekhead. And this is Courtney. Think long and hard about how you'd like me to sign off. <laughs> Good night, folks. Good night. Night. Terminate transmission of Geekhead Radio.